funny thing about the burger is they're they're not beef. They're like a veggie burger. Mm. It's supposed to be like a pseudo meat. And I don't know what they're doing, but they taste really good. It's all in the sauce. It's got to be the it's, sauce. It's either in the sauce or it's in... It, I, I My guess is there are oils from the actual beef burgers on the grill and it's getting into the veggie burger. And I mean... On the one hand, my wallet isn't liking it. On the other hand, you know, my cholesterol is great. And on the other hand, it's a trade-off. And on the trade-off, well, I mean, listen. On the third hand, they're getting to know me now. Like, oh, hey, how you doing? It was when I walk in the door. They slap one on the grill and away we go. I don't like that. Oh, I don't. I don't don't want to be narb from Cheers at the burger place. Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode two hundred twenty-two. 222 of the Matinee Cast. It's a movie-loving podcast on the movie-loving website, thematinee.ca. Your home for cinematic passion and perspective. Odds are pretty high you've watched Avengers Endgame this weekend. I did. My guest did. We all did, right? I mean, it's a big movie that did big things on a big scale and left some big impressions on all of us. So this podcast is going to be about that movie, right? Well, no. We what? Uh, what? <laughs> your homework is screwed. <laughs> we saw it. We loved it. it. Some of us didn't love it. And when everybody else is talking about it, though, that's when it's hard to figure out what there is left to say. So instead, we are going to do what the show often does and stay out in space, but in a darker corner, a stranger corner, a less omnipresent corner, dare I say, a weirder corner. Speaking of weird corners, my guest today comes from such a place. Do I? Lawrence is kind of weird. I, 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 what the was, <laughs> one subway stop up from you, big guy. It's strange, man. That, 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 that must be able to be north of the wall. I'm not discounting your point. Um, long-time friend of the show, one-time proprietor on Eternal Sunshine of the Logical Mind. Bob Turnbull is here. How are you, Bob Turnbull? Except for the phlegm, I'm actually doing pretty good. Yeah, get good and yeah. close to the mic, please. I'm sure the listeners... That's phlegm? <laughs> I'm sure, like, I, I can see, like... At least five or six ear infections happening right there. So <laughs> it's spreading over to your send side your as earbuds well. to Bob Turnbull. He will have them purelled and sent back to you. Um, but on episode two twenty two, we are going to be discussing Claire Denise High Life. We'll be turning the record over to play the other side. But first, we need to learn more about Bob. This is Know Your Enemy. So before we go any further, I need to cop to something. Bob is out of sequence, number one, and I figured out why today. So I'm going to cop to that right now. It's Ryan's fault. It is my fault. Uh, Today will also be the debut of the seventh round of questions. I have a lot of help with the seventh round of questions, so I will try to give credit where credit is due this first time around. The first time Bob Turnbull appeared on this show, we were talking about hot dogs in 2010. We learned the first film that he'd seen in a theater, by the way, this is going to take a minute, so get comfy. (laughs) The first film he'd seen in a theater was Sleeping Beauty. The last film he'd seen at the time was fine, totally fine. The worst film he'd ever seen was Shark Attack Megalodon. The unseen classic or essential is Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Bob has since seen that because it's been nine bloody years. The film that he wished he made was Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and Airplane. Next, Bob Return on episode 32, where we talked about source code. The film that he digs that others don't is Ocean's 12. The film everybody else likes that he does not is True Romance. The film that makes him cry was Dear Zachary. In the movie of his life, he'd be played by Anthony Edwards. And the movie he was watching next was The Outlaw Josie Wales. 
Next on episode 83, we talked about upstream color. We learned the film that make Bob's love of film turn a corner was Raising Arizona. His first date night movie with his wife was A Kiss Before Dying. We learned that his sick day movie is Magnolia. The last film's plural to leave him speechless, because Bob does that a lot. <laughs> and I will continue a to lot. do that. <laughs> was at any price Café de Flore and Cold Fish, and his epitaph would be so many social engagements, so little time from Raising Arizona. Then Bob returned episode 130. We talked about a most violent year. The film he likes and he never wants to see again is something called Norda End of History. The film that genuinely freaked him out, films, plural, were Juwan and Dear Zachary. The film that films, plural, that always make him laugh are Anchorman, Airplane, and Raising Arizona. His favorite movie soundtrack is for Soul Kitchen, and the film he loves that nobody else has heard of is something called Only Human. Here's where we go sideways. On episode 171, where you should have answered the fifth round of should questions, have. we did something called Ryan is Wrong. Ah, oh, I remember that episode. Which I yes. think you railed, like you raked me over the coals for my qualms about everybody wants some. And, and I was correct. We did as not well. do the questions on that episode. And that's how I've always been. Oh, then you jumped to six after that. Correct. Gotcha. So go to episode 171. There will be a link in the show notes, and you can find out why Ryan was wrong and how we got distracted. But on episode 198, Bob returned last spring to talk about the writer. We learned that his film snack of choice is Diet Coke. The films, plural, that he would spend a day in their movie world are Real Genius Animal House, Everybody Wants Some. Or. Gentle breeze in a village or only yesterday. You either want to go to college or go to Japan. The films, plural, are you sensing a trend yet? With a good scene in a bad movie, are the farmhouse shootout in Manhunt and any of the dance numbers in Sweet Charity. The most violent film you'd ever seen is The World of Kanako. And the film monologue that he would like to deliver, you restrained yourself to one, thank you for that, was the mad as hell and we're not going to take it anymore speech it's obvious but it's so great okay comfy folks because it's time for round seven new questions for the first time ever bob turnbull uh this question comes courtesy of um emma olson in uh, minneapolis uh married to andrew olson friends of andrew uh, of carter yeah. hapyard uh from the and, fri and friends of ours and as friends well. of ours as well she suggested if you met a person who had never seen a movie before what movie would you show them? Thank you for the question, Emma. That's a, no, that, that's, a, that's a great question because I, I was trying to take different tacks on that. So okay. my first thought was Emily, something oh. colorful and sort of fantastical and bright and a great soundtrack. But I kind of defaulted to my go-to, 12 Angry Men. Nice and wow. linear and in the same room and very, very taut, great acting, straightforward story, great conclusion. Um, so between those two, I think those would be two great starting points. Hmm. So hmm, Emily, he says, Emily, I understand because mm -hmm. it's it's got some darkness. It's very sweet, um, like you said. It's colorful. It's bright. It's imaginative. He has subtitles yeah. too, so you can get this person ready right up front reading subtitles, which I mean, that, so many that, people that avoid. That might be your bridge too far. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> I see. Twelve Angry Men, though. It's it it's not a based on a play. I know they're, they're, it's been adapted into a play, but I think that's, for me, the one that's less cinematic. It's very, it's very engaging and it's very enthralling. And it, and it is a really interesting way of saying, look, real life, when you put it big 
and you and you surround it with interesting people who look like people who you might have met out on the street can also be really engaging and really really draw you in but at the same time it's all in one room it's black and white it's all dudes and it's just talk so i'm i'm curious about that well i I mean i guess it depends on what you you want the outcome to be i mean for emma lee if you've never seen a movie that that certainly is a whoa i didn't know you could do those kind of things whereas hovang your man is a more gentle step shall we say and here's a straightforward beginning middle and end kind of story I'm, i'm not sure i agree with you with the cinematic approach yeah it's not sweeping vistas or anything like that but he does Sidney lamed does very interesting things with the camera and, uh, and I forget how, how it goes now, but he has different sort of proportions of where the camera is for each third of the movie, kind of like up and then sort of table level and then yeah. kind of from, from the bottom up and more kind of close in stuff. So he really does slowly kind of bring you in and slowly kind of ratchet up some tension. I, and they play with the light too. Because they do. I know he said black and white, but, you know, black and white can be glorious. It can. It can. It's film. just, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, when we, whenever we got it into Technicolor, from that moment onward, it did something like, I, I love black and white. I wish I could just see the world in black and white. But at the same time, it's one of the things that that film does so damn well is its use of color and, and how it does that to, to convey a mood, to, yeah. to, you know, to delight, to, to enhance, to bring you something that is completely otherworldly, specifically in Amelie. Like, Emily is, is so bright and so lush and so saturated. Um, you know, you know, in a color palette that just does not exist in this world, right? It's 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 Absolutely. kind of the opposite. See how I had I have both ends of the I spectrum, do, but I, and that's what I'm saying is that one of them I totally see, I totally am on board with, and is an unexpected choice because it's modern and it's not one of those ones that somebody says if you know these are the ten films to start with. It's a, it's a much more obscure choice, and I'm. I'm just, I'm surprised with the second one because it, it certainly well, wouldn't be mine. It, my thought process was, what's an easier step into this? Maybe it's an alien or I, who knows, yeah. like depending on, on, on the questions, like how do you easily bridge them from never having seen a story yeah. being you know projected in front of you okay. to that? So it's, it's, it's a very interesting, both interesting answers for sure. And I'm sure that's not the last time you're going to answer one uh, one question with two answers. Uh, the next question, uh, my wife, Lindsay Bergoni suggested Bob Turnbull, what is a movie that best embodies your personality? So this one, I only have one answer. Wow! Th- this was actually a really Holy good question. And, and, a, and a tough one. And okay. I went all over the place for, you know, comedic stuff. But it's like, well, then I'm saying that I'm funny or right, I'm right. like this. Yeah, yeah. So I thought about, you know, what is one of, I think, my attributes. I, I'm very much an introvert. I enjoy socializing. I like going to the pub. I like talking. You are but a lying son of a bitch. No, no. I recharge by being alone or at home with my wife or wow. family that's how i recharge but okay. i enjoy going out as well yeah, yeah. so it's kind of that that double-edged type of thing okay we're learning today so i ended up going to one of my absolute favorite filmmakers um hirokazu koreeda uh the lovely japanese filmmaker who recently did shoplifters and i wish and still walking and ah, all these amazing films i went back to one of his earlier ones called afterlife it's about 20 years old now and I did that for several reasons, because it's just so human and lovely and gently paced, but it has both real people talking about um, their lives and what they would love heaven to be to them, as well as actors doing that. So it's, it's kind of that both sides. As well, the final, absolute final shot of that movie is so wonderful. It's so very simple. 
but it really appeals to what I think heaven would be hmm. uh, if that was a possible thing, that it would just be this, this love of family and friends. And so people. this movie is quiet, introverted, philosophical. I'm not sure I'd say the movie itself is introverted, but it does have that kind of dual um, aspect of having real actors kind of playing, you know, kind of large, although okay, they're not melodramatic, okay. and then you. real people just being very honest. Okay, so, um, so, so hence the, the I can go out and socialize yeah, I'm part. stretching the boundaries no, 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 a little I'm, bit, I'm, but I'm, I thought I'm, it was like, like this is, this is a very, I like this answer. This is a very nuanced and complicated answer, and you're showing your work very nicely. This is, very, <laughs> this is quite good, uh, you know, as, as we have this uh, this podcast right around finals time. Um, so I'll send you my draft later. Yeah, we'll talk about your dissertation. Um I have never seen this movie. Oh, it's wonderful. I do believe our uh, friend of the show, Ariel, still has my DVD of it. Oh, she um, has DVDs of mine, so perhaps. But, but that's okay. We're going to give Ariel a, lots of uh, room here to, to uh, I'm seeing her before the show goes up, so I might have ah. actually take it from me. Like, you got that? I'm going to borrow that. Just just make, make do with my stuff. So uh, It's um, lovely and wonderful. I recommend it to anybody. Very it's cool. Totally. And, and yeah, it's that's uh, that's a very... I, I Again, I, that was a question I asked, and I had no idea how you would take it or how anybody would take it. I, don't, I haven't even answer it for myself oh, um, but it, it's, it's one of these things uh you know the, these questions of course are designed to learn about the guest and that's a good way to do it uh next question came courtesy of vanessa Bettino, who asked what is a movie that you hated on first watch but eventually came to enjoy basically what happened when you watched it again yeah, the reverse is easier. Of course. You know, Gumball Rally is my go-to on that one. I loved that as a kid. I watched it when it came on DVD like 10 years ago. Oh, it's horrible. Come back to it, it's like, horrible. oh boy. Um, one of the first ones I thought of was uh, Nicholas Winding reference, Only God Forgives. I remember watching that oh one boy. night and just going, I don't I don't like what he's doing. You know, it's pretty, but uh, I, I'm not getting what he's going for. But for whatever reason, it, it rattled around my brain that night, that morning. I watched it again the very next night. I don't love it, but it was like, Oh, okay. I see what he's doing with the mood and the style, uh, and what he's doing with the characters. It's not the most insightful movie ever, but I got pulled back to it. However, that's not my answer. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to go to Fanny and Alexander. So Bergman's oh. one of Bergman's just most brilliant films. I the first version I saw was the theatrical version, the three hour cut. Okay. Because I, I don't know why I, I just did, and might have been what you just grabbed. Like might have it been was, what just what was available. It, it may have been. I think I may have like rented it from the local DVD place, um, and I was like, ah, it, it, there was something missing there. I, I, I didn't see the continuum. I, I I didn't really get some of the jumps of the characters. When about would this have been? Oh, probably ten years ago or so, That's it? roughly. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then our uh, old friend, uh, Mark St. Cyr, said, no, no, you've got to watch the TV version, the full five-hour version. I was like, yeah, right. But I did. Holy crap. It's, it's, I think it's probably my favorite Bergman film along with, say, Persona. Oh, wow. Or um, Smiles of a Summer Night. Like those three are kind of the, the trifecta for me of, of him. And it's, it's so subtle and nuanced. But what was, the, what, was the, what was the impetus? What did you get in that longer cut? Was it just time? Was it just you came back to it, you knew what to expect, and it and it expanded on a lot of these ideas? Was it... I don't think there was a long time between the viewings of the three and five hour one, maybe really? a couple of months, six months okay, or okay. something so like that. So it wasn't that. like you came back to it like I, I think it's like... just I was able to sit with those people for longer. And granted, three hours alone is still a long time. Yeah, no kidding. But there's the, the five hours just filled it in more. It just huh. added much more to it. And then you start just reveling in the atmosphere of that movie and just the sets, which are Oh, just glorious. Interesting. Um, I can't put my finger on it, but that longer version just really worked that's, for me. That's, you know, I, the, the problem is that's the only version I've ever seen. 
that's so not I a problem know, then that's good <laughs> I, don't, yeah, yeah. I don't know what what is condensed right down in the three-hour version and i mean that's a movie where i think the whole first hour is christmas eve uh i think so yeah i remember yeah. when yeah, i had, they, they cram a ton years, of that yeah out. years ago when i had uh jessica from sweden on the show i actually asked her i was like so is christmas in sweden like <laughs> benny and alexander because that looks incredible it's you know that's i have an affinity for films that spent a long time on one event. So I mean like the deer hunter wedding scene, the Godfather wedding scene, you know, like anytime where we're, it's like we're here and we're going to stay here for a while. And, and you know, maybe that's it. Maybe just at the end of each of those scenes, I was like, ah, you're, you're moving too fast. I want to just revel okay. in that longer. Huh, interesting. That was not an answer I expected. That's for damn sure. Uh, our next question comes courtesy of our mutual friend Petula Neal, who said, "What <clears throat> remake or adaptation for you, Bob, is better than its source material?" Um, so I, I stuck with you know remakes of films as opposed sure. to film versions of books or anything like that. Yeah. Um, the, the first thing that flashed to mind was Fincher's *Girl with the Dragon Tattoo* because I really thought the original mm. was just dry okay. and just. But there. It's not that I hate it, it's just there. You know, but we're, on Fincher, a, we're on a theme here, but that's that's kind of what Sweden does. Not always. I, I, it, it, I shouldn't say this, but it felt like a TV version. And and these days, I suppose it doesn't mean anything. But No, but then it, 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 did. it, it didn't Back feel in, cinematic know, to me. I think that was like in 09? Uh, probably about that, yeah. About and it, and it, I'm, a, it did, yeah. I'm a sucker for Fincher's style. Okay. I don't necessarily love everything he's done, but that really worked for me. Okay. Um, I also could have gone with The Star is Born, the Judy Garland one, versus the kind of Janet Gaynor, you know, uh, 1930s one, which right. even though I, and I love 30s movies, eh, I didn't like this one. And maybe it's just because it's dated. It just okay. didn't work for me. But the Judy Garner was, is tremendous. But? But I got to go with my first, my real, real first thought, which was Ocean's Eleven. Ah. The, the original, to me anyway, does not stand up, has almost zero charm, is not exciting, isn't funny. And, you know, the Rat Pack or the Rat Pack, but... There should be something there with those guys. Yeah. I got nothing from it. But and I'm a Soderbergh fanboy, so I'm gonna lean towards that. Ocean's Eleven is awesome. It's one of the best heist films, I think, ever. I, I, I suppose, I you know, it, it's guys hanging out, so depending on how much you can stand that, <laughs> um, I think it's just glorious fun. I think the funny thing about Ocean's Eleven now is that over the course of time, the the back half of the 11 have established themselves a lot more as, as actors. Like I remember when Ebert wrote his review of it, he was talking about the scene at the end when they're looking at the, uh, the fountains at the Bellagio mm -hmm. and the, the camera's panning across them. And he's like, once it gets past like Elliot Gould or once it gets past Carl Reiner, I'm kind of having a hard time distinguishing one from the other, from the other, from the other, especially when you take the amazing Yen and Bernie Mac out of the case and it's like a whole bunch of white boys down the line, right? <laughs> but now that now that they're they've kind of really established themselves over the geez now seventeen years since that movie, uh, eighteen years since that movie, it's it's a little bit more fun. Uh, the original is just an excuse for them to shoot in Vegas. Oh, absolutely. And you know, you know the Oceans movies, the modern ones. You can tell that the better movie also was what was happening <clears throat> when that camera was not rolling. Oh, hell yeah. You know, the musical numbers aren't even all that good, which is saying something for the musical talent you amass. Um, and I can't remember, where did Bob LaFlumbler fall in all of that? Did it come before 
the old oceans that come in between the two oceans because I know Ocean's Eleven draws um, heavily from Bob Lefebvre. I Lore. think that was late fifties, and Ocean's Eleven would have been early sixties. So, so, so I, I think I think Bob. So it's was drawing from it earlier. as well. Yeah, yeah. So they're all drawing from the same. Yeah. Um, well, hey, if you want to draw from Melville, I mean, come on, that's that's, that's a rich fountain yeah, to draw no from. Um, okay, I like. I will not challenge you on that one because I, I've seen them both, and, and and as long as we also all agree that Ocean's Twelve is the even far superior film. Good, closed. Moving forward, I enjoy. I enjoy them all. <laughs> I enjoy them all for various reasons. They're doing various things. Thirteen, you get Ellen Barkin into the fray. You know, there's there's all kinds of things going on. Finally, question number five, also given by Petula Neal. I probably owe her a bourbon for two questions, and this one is a humdinger. Bob Turnbull, you can bring back from the dead any dead artist, any actor, any director, any writer. Who do you bring back and why? What are you doing with them? What kind of project do you want them to add to our current cinematic landscape? Uh, I'll have to buy the second bourbon for Petula. That is a, also a great question. So uh, for that, I, I started with what do I want to see up on screen? And I defaulted kind of my, my early love uh, of sci-fi books, particularly Asimov with Foundation mm. uh, and Arthur C. Clarke's Rendezvous with Rama, which is still in my mind one of the best page turn of books ever. I, I'll, I'll give it a read. I love it. I I've love it so read. much. Never read it. Um, and I thought, gee, I wonder what Kurosawa could do huh. with Rendezvous with Rama. I, I have no idea. <laughs> but, but, you know, if I'm thinking about the scale of Ron but also how he brings these uh, just amazing uh, shots and human elements into it. I think that'd be a really interesting combination. But then right. <laughs> I, I kind of I, oh, I, I pivoted and went to, yeah, but let me think about somebody who has passed away fairly recently that even though, you know, the director had a, a long life and lots of great output, still is one of those, ah, oh, it's what a shame that the world is without this person. Right. So then I thought, well, what, what could this person do? And I was thinking of the one book that if I ever want to write a screenplay, um, I thought this could actually work. Is actually more of a novella called uh, Very Far From Anywhere Else by Ursula K. Le Guin. And it's okay. not her typical fantasy kind of novels. It's, it's a more grounded coming-of-age story. I think two teenagers, uh, at least a boy is 17. I think the girl's probably the same age. And, and it's fairly short. It may be a novel, but it, it felt like a novella. I thought, I wonder what Agnes Varda could do with this. Because uh, I, I, uh, the, the humanity that springs from her movies, the way she gives you a sense of place, the way she uses the camera, all the way from like La Pointe Courte, which is, I think, one of the first of the new wave of French cinema, yeah. um, all the way to Faces Places from last year, which is my favorite film of the year. It's just was so that, that was lovely. her last one, right? She has one that's supposed to come out this year. I, I think it's like... I kind of want that to be her last one. Varda on Varda, I think. No. Is, well, I it's mean, something I, like I'm that. Sure it's, I'm sure it's going to be wonderful. But I, I really adored Faces Places oh. and I really loved like... You, you can't the, not The adore. entire... Like, I, I cannot remember the last time I felt more of an urge to be creative than after watching Faces Places. And I really that, wish that would be her final film. That is a great way to actually describe watching a Varda film. Uh, if you go to like the uh, the Beaches of Agnes, her previous kind of documentary about her life and her career, boy, you're gonna feel inspired like crazy coming out of that yeah. movie. The one, way she just one sings, one doesn't, which I haven't seen yet. Oh, I know, I know. Oh. Uh, I've I've got a few gaps, uh, but I I love her filmography. Going back though to your Kurosawa idea, do you like the one thing I think that will be interesting about this question going forward? And as I think about this question, is what would previous generations of directors do with new toys hmm. because you look at the kinds of things they were able to achieve when the camera was the size of a fridge 
you know, now that you can take a camera and it's something that you can hold in two hands and put damn near anywhere. Yeah, what would Kurosawa do with a drone? Yeah, <laughs> that kind of thing. He may not even want to use it. But just like you, you just the more freedoms you give them, what would they do? And I mean, even 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 Agnes Varda, you know, like the more technology progressed, what did she do with the camera, and how did she do with the camera? Um, and that's the thing. Like, I would love to give Agnes another ten years with oh, yeah. technology as it evolves. Well, like, I would just, I, you know, I would give my right arm just to look at like Varda's iPhone films. Well, that's the thing. I, I think that's what she did with technology is as the cameras shrank, she was yeah. like, this is so portable. I can go anywhere. I can yeah. go to people. I can go to these remote places like Gleaners and I and things yeah. like that. Um, and I think that's how she used it. Uh, okay. But still, that would be fascinating to see what the next and you're gonna, you're, Before you leave, you're going to have to mark down all those books because believe it or not, I actually don't have a whole lot to read right now. Oh, all I'm, right. The, the pile's a little thin. All right. So good, good. Uh, I, I, can, I can do some shopping. Um, thank you, everybody who gave me questions. Petula, I owe you two drinks. Uh, with, then, the, with the dead artist. I owe her two more. Yeah, with, with the which <clears> dead <throat> artist would you bring back, by the way? She also she accompanied it with a gif of the Night King from uh, Game of Thrones, uh, raising everybody up. So thank you for that, for the smile. Uh, uh, but we are going to move forward and talk about a tiny little film that takes place on a very big canvas. Uh, we're going to talk about High Life. It's the new slang on episode 222 right after this. High Life is directed by Claire Denis. It is uh, co-written by Denis along with Jean-Paul Fargo and Jeff Cox. It stars Robert Pattinson, Juliette Binoche, Mia Goth, Agat Buzek, Lars Eidinger, and Andre Benjamin. High Life takes us to space. Space! Where there is a group of criminals who are serving life sentences by serving as astronauts and guinea pigs on a spaceship. The centralmost character is Monty. That's Robert Pattinson, a character we first meet playing Guardian to newborn baby. Monty and the child are under the supervision of Dr. Dibbs, that's Binoche, a scientist fixated on creating a child through artificial insemination, but so far unsuccessful. As the story plays out, we watch the crew turn on each other one by one in response to the surroundings, the science, and pure animal instinct. Some heinous and violent acts unfold, and eventually, only Monty and the baby are left at the edge of a black hole. And if you think that's a spoiler, that's how the movie begins. Without getting too far ahead of ourselves, this film had two specific sets that stand out more than any other. On one side of this spaceship, this boxy, unaerodynamic spaceship, is a garden, a lush patch of life and sustenance where one can give renewal and serenity, but requires attention and investment. On the other side of the ship is the fuckbox, a dark, isolated closet that requires nothing gives cold, fleeting, physical pleasure. Often we realize the characters on this ship gravitate towards one or the other. So, pop quiz hot shot. For you, was High Life an hour in the garden or 10 minutes in the fuck box? Jesus, those are my two options. <laughs> That's all you get. Well, now that I know this is an NC-17 program as well. Or was it somewhere in between? It's somewhere in between. Really? Um, yeah, so I, so I saw this at TIFF last year. Yes, you did. And, you know... Like many people, it's like, whoa, that was a thing. <laughs> but I, I wasn't really quite sure what to make of it. I mean, there are some very obvious themes and all that, but I'm not sure I enjoyed it. So I saw so again this. this <laughs> well, it depends. You might enjoy the fuck box. I mean, you know. <laughs> 
Binoche certainly did in her scene or Clearly. her character. Yeah. Um, so I saw it again and, and I was able to pull a lot more from it. Uh, Denis is a filmmaker that I, I don't always fully comprehend on first watch and I'm fine to admit that. Okay. I, I think she's brilliant when I've, I've heard her talk about how she approaches film. I don't always love her films. Something like Beau Travail, which is an amazing piece of work. Mm -hmm. I don't love, I don't necessarily enjoy watching it, but the way she tells that story and, and the man versus man thing and the male machismo is brilliant. And that final dance scene is just, again, one of the most amazing <laughs> final scenes so in cinema history. What's that? So garden? Garden, I, I, I guess. I guess an hour in the garden. Okay. With, you know, you know, 10 minutes and a five box. You know, that's, I, that's I, I I'm going for option number three. Ah, see? I found this film to be 10 minutes in the fuck box with a view of the garden. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Explain yourself. I will. So this movie is out to be cold, mechanical, uncomfortable. Uh, You've just described most of her films, to be I, honest. Well, I, okay. well, and I'll have to take well, to that back that, in a bit. But, to, but to a lot extent, of them. This is actually my introduction to Denis. Um, she is a name that I've heard for a long time, <clears throat> but just not a director that I have ever uh, given myself over to. Yep. Um, so it was it was going for a physical reaction, and often it got it. You know whether I wanted it to or not. And usually got it pretty quick. It was, you know, there, there was there was no foreplay about this. And we were very much down to business. However, um, now and then, while it was going for this reaction, it gave me some interesting things to look at and some lush things to look at and some very tender things to look at. It just didn't often emotionally let me into those moments. That's why I say... You know, I'm in the box with a view of the garden. I can see it. Okay, that, that's, I can that, see that's this that's... this this thing that is there that should not be there. Like this this lush natural setting should not be in the vacuum of space. And I can see it, but I just I couldn't ever actually go there. It kept bringing me back into the darkness that, every time I kind of had like that's a know, fair that's a fair statement. My, right? my hand on the window. I'm kind of with or, you. Or my, or my, my you know my, my hand on the doorknob. Nope, back yep. in I go. And and I think she I, I don't know her, her her work that that well. I've seen I think six or seven of her films. Um, That's most still of them, pretty good. Yeah, most of them do feel a little bit removed, and she is challenging you, and she does go for reactions. But when she feels removed, is she also making you feel uncomfortable and oh, assaulted? she I think she definitely wants you to feel uncomfortable. Huh. Not not in a Hanukkah way. Not in that he's challenging you and saying how dare you view her. She's kind of like, no, I want you to process this. I want you to think about this. What does this mean to you? I'm putting it up there. Okay. So something like uh, Trouble Every Day, which I think is, is one of my favorite films by her because there are a few moments that film was like, whoa, like that's her horror film. And she, she went for it in a couple of scenes from a you know, blood and gore perspective. But it, for me, it just works so, so very well. But then you get something like Botravai or... Um, I'm trying to think of the other ones, maybe Bastards, that I, I couldn't quite find my own personal way into. Right. And I'm not sure she necessarily cares if I can find that way. She's got something that she wants to put out there. I, and I mean, that's, that's the other thing about this movie is I know it wants to tell me something. I have no idea what it is. You know, I, it's, it's, not, it's not anything about the, the – this movie lays down early on, oh, look at what we've done. We've taken these prisoners and we've marooned them out there with no chance of coming back. And isn't that a human rights tragedy? You know, it, it doesn't linger on that. It doesn't it, – it, it, it kind of draws you through every once in a while because we understand 
that they're given hope even though there is none, mm. um, that, that they really are marooned. That, you know, if you, it's not, they would have been better off being shoved out in the middle of the ocean because then at the very least you have to stand a chance that another boat is going to pass you by. Shoving them out into space, it's like, yeah, good luck. Um, especially how far out they seem to Although go. Although they do encounter another ship. Eventually, but I mean, <laughs> and, but, but even there, it's the, that whole end of it, that whole look at how we treat the worst of us is abandoned. You know, it's that that has been well, the, the, the way that they treat each other is never given its depth. We're, we're never given a whole lot of actual character out of anybody besides, um, uh, you know, well, in, in, beyond in, Dibs and Monty. Indeed, I agree with you about the characters not being fully fleshed out. I, I'm still, I think, somewhat okay with that because I, what I was taking from it, and I actually saw um, a YouTube video recently on, uh, on Denis. Um, where they're talking about the five senses. Okay. Her, her movies can be very tactile. You you, you feel a lot from them. It they're, is. Whether it's sounds and not just music, but sounds, yeah. visuals, or you, you can almost taste things sometimes. <laughs> what I kind of got from this movie is um, the base human needs and desires and urges of people. So... You know, they're sending this, you know, it's not, not a ragtag bunch of misfits. These are not great people, all of them, right? right? But they descend in, and you think about that, the fuck box, sex, that's a pretty basic human desire. Survival. And you're throwing in, you know, the, the rebirth and, and the parental of, things and all that. There's not a lot that. of survival no, explored but, in this movie. Well, not really. You have zero hope and you pretty much know that. You're going towards the black hole and yet they're, you know, three, four years on or whatever. Mm -hmm. Forget about the physics of whether that's possible. Sure. Um, they're still trying, you know, there, there's still resistance to just offing yourself. And, and I think, you know, towards the end, people do give into that, but there is this, you know, need for survival, this need to perpetuate the species. Yeah, need, I was going to say the, right? the, the, now, if, you know, if the movie is going to present something, the need between sex for pleasure and sex for reproduction is certainly front and center. But beyond that, I didn't really feel, you know, I felt the movie explores. Well, I mean, there, there's, I, I felt that the, need, the, the movie certainly explores the need on some to destroy. Yeah. Um, power, but, control, freedom, you know, that that's all kind of in there. Right? I, feel, I feel like those are very, very rough sketches. In this movie, and, and maybe that but, was, but why that I had that's such fine. A hard time. And I think Denis does that a bit to a certain extent. I, I think not that the entire film is subtle. There's a few things that we can get to in, in a minute about oh, why did you do that kind of exposition? But for the most part, there's a lot of stuff that she just puts there. And says you figure that out. Well, you know, you're, you're smart enough. I'll, I'll let you assume what happens there or why I'm doing that. And I think she says you can color in the lines. I'm giving you the sketch. Um, and here we go. And I, I think she really does. Um, okay. Okay. I, now, I will admit the one thing, you know, like I've been ragging on this movie quite a bit already, but the one thing I will admit is that anytime the movie comes back to Pattison, especially, um, the movie kind of gets this lift. Pattison has been doing this really interesting thing with his post Twilight career where he is chasing down these. Um, very low key projects, very arty directors, very, you know, like I, he's barely been in anything highly commercial. Now, of course, I say that and he's going to be in a Christopher Nolan movie next, uh, literally. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I like the progression back, of his career right whenever now. Whenever it comes back so. to him, like he, you know, he's the one character on this, on this ship who was dropped there because he did something as a, like a juvenile, uh, thing. And he's, he's really been like over sentenced. 
Um, he's the one who completely refrains from the fuck box. He's basically, he's a monk. Um, he's the one who seems to have no qualms talking to everybody, no matter whether they're in the, you know, the darker end of their psychosis or if they're really bright and clean life. And every, you know, he is our guide on this very, very dark journey. So every, I, I will give the crew, the film that much credit is I think if, anybody else was in that role i'd have a much harder time clinging on but him in his uh you know he he's he's got a lot of pathos to him he has a lot of empathy to him and whether he's dealing with a violent criminal or a baby he is always just so so human that in the middle of this very cold and very stark uh story he's always this warm center so I will give it that much that any that he is anybody else absolutely centered the film. Much harder time. Great, great portrayal with it. I would have actually, I think, been very happy with him and the baby for most of the film. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed the start of that film. I'm not saying you know, no way, no, but just that. But I, I, you know, I was really that, that is how this movie starts. Yeah, but I was really, I was really for like a good with that. But 10, that, 15 minutes. But I'm like that. That's that's Moon with a kid. <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> well, fine. No, I, I, I've seen that but, that, movie. but that. but that goes to what you're saying about Patterson, though. Is that for me? Like he was able to pull that off, and it's not that there was a whole bunch of him improving or or working with the baby. It just it felt kind of real, and, and I think that's another part of this film. Is that so many people kind of ah the fuck box? What kind of stupid thing is that? And it's like no, I I fully believe that if you're going to send a bunch of criminals into space, you better have something like that there. Otherwise, they will rape and pillage each other way sooner than they eventually did I, <laughs> so, I think it, there, a lot of this is short of the, the physics stuff it does feel kind of real to me that yeah you would need to understand what these basic urges and needs it might of humans feel are. real but i don't know that i wanted to spend time with that i guess that's the thing is this, this that, movie for me I'm, succeeds i'm okay with that comment because that really was uncomfortable um, when we were in the box, um, it was, it was, box, it was an amazing kind of film experience. I didn't necessarily want to relive that the second time, but, <laughs> but it was, it was like, okay, you know, Claire and Juliet, they went for it. Yeah. And, um, that's a thing that's going to stick with you. I mean, we're, we, we haven't touched on this and, and anybody who sees this movie, I guarantee you it is the first thing that they're going to bring up is that this is a film that includes not one, but two sexual assaults within the course of within the course of about 15 minutes of screen time and a lot of bodily fluids too oh, yeah there's that a variety of them yes very many but i mean you know like the first the first one is actually interesting because i mean the, with the first one females and aggressor which is not explored on screen as much the female believe it or not actually has a motive not that that makes it okay but at least it's not what we've always seen they the, the the female aggressor in that sexual assault has a reason for the assault that, that she's trying to achieve mm -hmm. um and it's still nasty and gross and uncomfortable and you want to leave and it goes on for a while and it just makes you feel all kinds of things at once and then about 10 minutes later we get another one which is the prototypical male as the assailant female as the assaulted um very like you know again another one that goes on a while that's not a fun stretch of film absolutely not at yeah. all yeah i could have you know i would have had a hard time with one we've got two now 
you've read about this movie a lot more. I'm sure Denis was there when you saw that. Is there any been any exploration or any kind of context that we can dig into as to why they're there, let alone that there's two? I, I can't say that I've read into it that deeply. Um, I, I could only kind of guess on Denis' part. Um, for me, again, I, I can't say that I enjoyed those scenes, but they made sense within the context of where these fairly awful people are, human nature, what you kind of reduce yourself to. She is absolutely trying to, Juliette Binoche is trying to, you know, resolve this thing. That's her only quest yeah. is to create life, why essentially. Why does this movie have to lock us in the room with them? Why can't we know what has just happened when the assailant walks into the room and closes the door behind them? Why do we have to be in there with them? Uh, that's not the kind of movie she makes. She I, wants I, no. Well, she yeah, she but, wants you to see it. She wants to expose it to I you and say, how, how, how did how did you what did you think of that? And the answer typically is like, fuck, oh, yeah. that wasn't fun. No, right? Yes, it isn't. <laughs> no, I know. I, I'm fully well aware of this, and I know it's not the first movie. And I know you know it, I, it's it's not like I feel more because I'm watching. Well, let, let's, a take a, guy let's take a step the, back though. Did, did you find either of those scenes to be um, exploitation? No. So it, that doesn't necessarily make them great scenes, but at the very least, it's not a really cheap reason to have those scenes in there. There's there's something more that if I still don't quite understand it, One of them furthers the story. The other one I did not need. The second one? The maybe? second one I really did not need. The no, first, but one, that, the but first that's... one I can be at least, I was like, at least that fits very much in with what this story is trying to do with procreation and sure. the meaning of sex and, and but, you know, all but this, of But the second one goes back to, and not that we were given a whole lot of context of that specific character, but even just a few glimpses, like you knew that guy was that kind of guy. Yeah. And... Here it is. This is what that kind of guy is. And there's also the plot aspects of like, yeah, we got to tidy up a few of these uh, these corpses, it's, right? Yeah, so it's, it's, that that is the hard like that is really going to be the hard thing about recommending this movie to anybody is telling people you're going to have to sit through two, you know, and and you yeah. you know you might be able to get through the first one. The second one's going to be really uncomfortable. It's not like irreversible level of uncomfortable. Well, that's but that's it's actually still that's the bad. first one I thought of when you kind of mentioned those scenes. Is that was extraordinarily uncomfortable. For I me. think of that, and I think but, of Dragon that, Tattoo. I also, those are usually the yeah. two that come to mind. Irreversible. I I'm conflicted with that movie because that that whole rape scene actually does feel a little ex exploitation, a little exploitive. Um, and I a I don't. Little? Well, <laughs> you know what I mean. Where he's just kind of like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna let this go and go and go. Yeah. And the camera is far away, and yeah. it is putting it on you as a viewer. Like you're still watching this. Yeah. But it, it also felt really seedy and. Not necessary for that movie, I mean, but and I didn't love these either. Uh, I but they were. She has a reason for they're, it. And they're I believe much if more. I did some reading, I would find it. But she puts you right there. Yeah, but I, that's the thing is, and you know, I don't find about, it to be exploitation. So that that's a bit of the, the fr listen. The really truly the and that's easy for me to say. The first the way, one right? is but, fascinating. The first one I can turn a blind eye and say, you know what, it's there but it's not the kind of thing we normally see and it has a purpose. The second one for me feels a bridge too far. But moving along, I, this, this movie, I mean, the interesting thing about this movie is that it's not about the group dynamic. It's always, almost always about one-on-one -on -one 
relationships within the scope of this movie. It's kind of crazy because normally when you've got this kind of a movie, it's something like Sunshine or, mm. or you know, um, Interstellar where you have to watch the team get along or Star Trek most classically. Yeah, and maybe yeah. they're misfits and there's arguments yeah. between them. And, um, yeah. Like, did that catch you off guard? Did you did you, did you find value in that? And the same thing, like when we're um, talking about like how violent they are and how deplorable some of them are, how human some of them are still as well. Like Andre Benjamin is, is you know, just this wonderful soul in the middle of this movie who you know you can tell just how much this is affecting him with his ultimate fate and and how how his ult like that that is a plot inclusion that i have never seen before <laughs> we'll probably never see again and that image is indelible of what happens with him yes um i i wasn't caught off guard with that but thinking about it later it's like yeah there wasn't a whole lot of those standard scenes of what's the team gonna do we're facing a crisis and you know that that kind of this dynamic. guy's going rogue this person exactly trying yeah. to be, which again be the conscience I, goes to how denise a filmmaker she's like she's not interested in that stuff and i'm not excusing that you can still dislike this film because you didn't like the plot or oh, don't worry went. <laughs> oh yeah plenty of people do not like this film by any stretch but I, that's what makes her a fascinating and interesting filmmaker. I don't like every one of her movies either, but I will probably attempt to try and see as many as I can because she's always trying to do something different and, and get across a view. It's not necessarily her view. She's kind of like, but I want you to take a look at this. Let, let's mm. think about this. And I think that makes her very interesting. Um, it, it is funny too, those, those human aspects, they're, they're few and far between sometimes in this movie, but they are there. Well, they, they really become more, uh, they, they become far more frequent when his daughter becomes of age. Yeah. Uh, yeah you know, yeah, the, the, yeah. the daughter is a baby for most of the film. Um, really cute baby at that. And I do Girl. love, I did like the fact that Monty, when he's speak, he's not even speaking to the child. He's speaking to the child through a clom. And, at one point, he's like, you have to stop or I'm going to kill myself. You have to stop or I'm going to die. That, like, is, bar- yeah, that is such a real moment. Yes. As a parent, you're like, yeah, yeah. I get it, dude. But he's the thing is, it's like, you know, like it, it, it can feel that way for a lot of parents, fathers and mothers, both. He actually means it. You know, he is in a position where he can just clip himself real easy and real quick. <laughs> And this will not be good for the child. Like that's the thing is he's bargaining with the child, and it is very human and very real, and and just so so incredible to see how how easily he pulls that out from from his quiver, basically. And, and that's the thing with with Dadine is that she can have like we were just talking about dispassion and cold before, yeah. But she can have these very very human things in her movies. So uh, thirty thirty five shots of rum um, is. Probably out of the ones I've seen, probably her most humanistic. Sure. Uh, not a good way of phrasing it, but <laughs> that movie for me was all about family and and the different interactions between that family, and that really feels real. The father daughter relationship and and all the other relationships. How's it compared to the movie. father daughter relationship in this movie? It's different. <laughs> I, Thank I, you, Bob. I, I don't even know how you compare the two. It's <laughs> but I mean, there is tenderness in in Thirty Five Shots of Rum. Um, there and is. I mean, that's I think probably that's the more than thing about this most of her films that I see. When this movie wants to be, it can be so sweet. You know, like when when this movie wants to be human, it really can. It is capable of just such 
warmth yeah, at but, times. But, but at the same time, I don't think she wanted to make a war movie with this. She wanted to explore those basic urges, the darker like, elements, the, you know. What we do in the name of science, I guess. You know, like how far we're willing to go for how far we're willing to push our ethics and our morals in the name of but I think they, something larger. Even looking at that, I mean, how much of this data is getting back to Earth? None. And I think they've pretty much kind of forgotten about it. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah so, we, okay, but then even more so, so I'm not the, sure so that's yeah, even more so, that. what is the point of that entire plot thread that we, we need to be well, that, so that's, cool. that's where I have a few issues is, is you know, that one exposition scene uh, of suddenly you're back on Earth in this train. Yeah. And I guess I kind of get that you want to have some context around that, but that was really jarring for me because so much of this film is kind of like, I'm going to let you kind of figure out why these people are here. We're going to give some backstory for some, but you can guess on the rest. And then suddenly you're in this train and there's this old guy explaining to a reporter exactly what they're doing and why they're sending people up in space. Yeah. And then you're back up in space. There, there's a brief I mean, moment of like seeing like... it's like 2001 for dummies. That brief part didn't work for me. No. It certainly was jarring. I mean, they, they tried to do a bit of Mia Goth's backstory on the train as well. Yeah. But that felt a little... Yeah, eh. no, that's that. That was the strange thing. Was every time we got out of the claustrophobia of that spaceship, um, it, it is when it really. Unless we were going out into the into the void, anytime it goes outside, anytime it goes towards that that um, black hole, anytime it does a weird thing where it actually seems to have a little bit of gravity outside the door, like people drop. I was going to say that the, the the physics on this. I mean, I'm letting it go because that's know, not what like, this movie I am is. Too. Like the first, but, the first time he dropped a wrench, I'm like, hang on. <laughs> I was like, you know, at first you're like, oh shit, there it goes. And then you're like, wait a minute. They are going 99 percent the speed of light, so he's moving pretty fast. But then again, you know, from a relative standpoint, unless you're pushing the wrench away, yeah, it should it should still be uh, there. Also, you know, being that close to the doorway and not being tethered, it's like, dude. Yeah, yeah. There was there was no there was no vacuum, nothing. Um, is there value for you in an interesting I like I think at this point it's pretty clear to listeners that I'm coming down on the negative side of this movie. But is there value for you in an interesting failure? Because that's the thing. I come away from this movie and I'd have a hard I'd have a real hard time recommending it to anyone. I might might like if you know if I had my hand on the skip button, I might put it on for like visual distraction. But is there for you is there value in well, that didn't work, but it left me with some stuff. Oh, absolutely. Like what? Like how? Um, well, as a general statement, okay. you can always learn from failure, right? I mean, you know, whether you're the director or somebody who made the movie, you're going to learn no, but as a about viewer, that. As a viewer, no, no, but creator. as a viewer, you can learn from that too. Um, either it's in how you approach the film, either it's in going to say, what were they trying to do with this? Oh, Okay, no, I don't like that, but I kind of see what they did. Or just pulling out those nuggets, whether it's the uh, the baby at the beginning, how tender you thought some of that was, what you got from the thought of the basic needs thing, whether you just got that feeling of being in space and the silence, which is another great aspect that yes. I really love it when a movie does that. Just drop the sound. That, that's eerie. There's a lot to be said for that. It doesn't mean that you have to then recommend the movie or put it in your top 10, but I think it's okay to say, I don't like this movie, but boy, this scene or this element or this theme was really interesting. Hmm. So, hmm. 
you might want to dig into it and see what you think. Let's have a conversation about that. And I think that's the thing with Denis and filmmakers like that is they want people to go, why did you put that up on screen? Why are you exposing me to that? Okay, let's talk about that. Let's think about that. Let's see, find another way to express that. It, it's it's strange because I mean, one of the previous Know Your Enemy questions is, what is your favorite? Bad, what is your favorite good scene in a bad movie? You know, but I don't necessarily think about this as a kind of movie where I'm going to think about a good scene in this so-called bad movie. What I do think about is, well, I. I didn't connect with it emotionally and I have problems with some of the story, but wow, was I ever lost in the visuals or wow, was I ever caught up with the, this father and this daughter or this, this woman who, you know, like, like the adult daughter. We, we really so haven't you, even talked about. Like, you just answered your question. There is value in, and, and I don't want to say a failure, in your mind, this movie didn't work. This but, kind of But there's still some value for you. I mean, that, right? but I, I can find, sometimes I can find value in this kind of failure, just me personally. I will then turn around and watch a commercial failure like Venom, like the, the, the comic book movie from last year, and just think to myself, that was a complete waste of time and just, you know, sensory assault. This movie is... Emotional assault sometimes. Oh, for sure. Um, and, and cerebral assault. But at the very least, it has the decency to let me look at the you know let me look let me look at the pretty flowers <laughs> while you're putting a gun to the back of my head. Look over here. Look yeah, over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Don't look at the, don't look behind the curtain. Um, you know, I, and I got it. Like I got to give the movie that much credit. Is we have been talking about it now for uh, you know 27 minutes with some edits in this in this conversation. And yet, it's not something I liked, and it's not something I'm gonna like actively like browbeat so, anybody saying this is a travesty to humanity. So there's your, there's your value. Like you can have a conversation about that, and maybe that could change your views on something. Maybe think a little bit more about another aspect. You may not with this particular movie. No, I but, don't. Think but so. with filmmakers like Denis, um, I think that's the value they bring. I think even just classifying this as a good or bad movie for me just doesn't really make sense. That, does, no, and that, that's, that, that doesn't, the, and sorry, it, it doesn't excuse anything she may or may have not done, you know, well in our minds. But, and maybe this just goes to some of the reviews that I was reading, go like, oh, this movie sucks because, you know, the physics don't make sense. Like, no, no you're I'm not, you're not approaching that. the movie from the point of view of being interesting, interested in what she's trying to say or what value you can pull from this. No, I have trouble with this movie because it's cold and it's morally ugly. That's fine. You know, it's not even like I, I, a movie like this, even if it's not good or bad, I can say something like it was interesting, it was engaging, it was, you know, it was really thoughtful, what have you. Um, it, it, it executed this movie. I'm just like, I, I felt sick, you know, and, and it's it was yeah. like earlier on you were mentioning um, Winning Refn and his movies. I also feel assaulted and sick, but oh, he definitely come back goes for that to and I'm yeah. like, okay, I can sort of like you've just shown me a very, very well rendered paint. It's like a Francis Bacon painting of like, you know, a slaughtered mm. hog's head. It, it's that kind of feeling although with this one i just i didn't see quite as much as i saw in some okay. of those and, and, and and that's fair though i mean we can have this discussion and i can still say well, that we are don't you worry. and i can still say you're wrong but you're putting thought into this yeah. you're actually saying this is what i felt watching this movie and i think that that's what art is supposed to do right i mean to get you know a little arty for a moment is sure. is that 
art, I almost said good art, but just art, is supposed to make you go, huh, or have an emotion, some kind of reaction to it. Yeah. Uh, and again, it doesn't necessarily mean it's good, but at least you're going to go, okay, well, that made me We're We're on a think. lot of tangents with this one, so I'll take you one more just before we kind of start getting towards the end here. Did you see uh, Nocturnal Animals? I did. Remember the beginning where it's the opening credits and it's the larger women dancing? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And then it cuts to the, 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 the gallery and they're all like face down? Yeah, yeah. It's the yeah. same thing. I don't entirely understand what I'm seeing. It's not really <laughs> meant to uh, shine a halo on any of these. It's also not meant to mock. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm completely bewildered and uncomfortable, but at the same time, it's like, it's stuck with me because it could be all kinds of different things. This movie, I have so much harder time with because I feel like I'm like, I don't feel like it's any of those things. I just kind of feel like you've got this really cold and, and nasty streak down the middle of what is otherwise a very warm and human thing. And I don't know why it's there. Maybe, you know, one could just say, well, that's life, Ryan. Well, to a certain extent, I mean, that that is kind of humanity, right? I mean, sometimes well, people Chris, are amazing and sometimes they suck. Fantastic. Well, you know. <laughs> that was a great use of my Saturday afternoon. Um, but it's, it's, it's that kind of thing. I have, much like the beginning of Nocturnal Animals, it's, it's a movie. I gotta, I gotta give it this much. It's going to stick with me. It wasn't boring. You know, so on the, on the, on the measure of, you know, what am I, am I going to think back about this movie? Yeah, probably. In a good way? Yeah. I think that's interesting too. That, uh, it wasn't boring. I mean, you know, for quote unquote art movies, I can see how for sometimes... For a very cerebral sci-fi. Exactly. Yeah, that People would say, oh, this is slow moving. And you could even say that about 2001 to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Although I, I mm-hmm. love that film. This, I don't, I never felt bored in this movie. Even that initial it's short. 10, 15... It's like minutes? Yeah, yeah. About 140, yeah. Um, that initial 10, 15 minutes with just him and the baby, I, I was fine with that. I, I want that with like that. Yeah. No, but that's what I'm saying. Give me that. Yeah. Give me the garden. I don't want to go into the fuck box. You can't always get what you want, young oh, Ryan. Dear Lord. We didn't really talk about the, the elder daughter towards the end. I'm not okay. sure we need to get no, into that or not. let's talk about her for a but, but I like the fact that the end credits song uh, by, I think it's the Tinder Sticks, it's called, it's called Willow. Yeah. And that's her name. Yes. So that's where the movie kind of brings you to. It's, it's kind of about her and his relationship with her. Um, I think there's some interesting aspects at the end that you could get even really nastier with as to, you know, they, when we first see her, um, she wakes up in the morning and, and she's, you know, she's spotting. So she's become a woman, mm-hmm. so to speak. And shortly thereafter, they decide to, you know, go into the black hole. Given things away here, but again, you know, that's that's not a big surprise. Spoilers for high life. So it's kind of an interesting aspect that, like, is that him thinking, okay, this is no longer my young little baby daughter. I need now to, we need to go further exploring because we're both adults and he's concerned about that. Uh, I, I think Denise, the kind of filmmaker, says, yes, that would be a uh, getting back to those basic human desires. He needs to address that. So I, well, I mean, that I, opens I, I up a whole no, weird yeah, there's can that. Of worms, I, I didn't actually think about it that way. I thought about it just in the way that now, well, one, like now he has backup, you know, in terms of like where she is. She up and like she is now of an age where she can, you know, steer a ship. You know, there's it's that that comes into play, and I, I think they do kind of touch on that in the terms of um, 
she's you know like, like he goes like you're, like you're too big to be sleeping in bed with me anymore that kind of thing you like you've grown up in such such close contact he she when they they're like we don't know who's going to be on there or what they're like she's like well of course i know you i know what humanity is supposed to be like and i mean that that is a nice little i think she even says i've got all i need yeah which is weird but okay <laughs> um well she has her basic needs covered uh as as a child, so and I, and I hate, thank you for that inclusion. Yeah, I know, okay. and I and I, I hate to go there. It's not even a topic I'm really keen on talking about, but I think that's what Denise films can do. Is they she brings uncomfortable stuff. Yeah, uh, and that's and that's what I'm saying. Is that I, it, it was I I wanted to be in the garden, and she just kept kicking me into the damn fuck box. Uh, but we end every. Can, I, can we end now? Can we? Can we get off? Let's this wrap show? this up. Thank you. We end every uh, review here on the Matinee Cast with a souvenir, something tangible or intangible. If you could take away from this movie and keep Bob Turnbull, what would be your souvenir from High Life? Um, I, we actually already kind of addressed it. Um, him with his baby daughter saying, "If you don't stop crying, I'm going to have to kill myself," yeah. because it was. You know, for me, like I, I think with many parents, it's just such a real kind of moment. Um, I also did like the fact that their initial imagery of the black hole was very much like interstellar and yeah. ends up being pretty much what they were predicting the photos to be like. And yeah. the physics behind that too is fascinating. There, there's so many YouTube videos about the light bending and all that. But I like the fact that they actually put some effort into like, this is what we think it really does look like. Yeah, no, I, um, I did. Later on, I think they kind of, you know, Jump the ship on that, but yeah, I was fine with that. Why not? Um, I'm sure it won't surprise anybody. My souvenir from this movie is the garden. Um, I, I, I just I find the idea of natural life in an artificial setting of space to be stunning. It, it, it was I mentioned sunshine earlier. It was it was used on that movie as well. I'm sure there are others that use it as have well. Have you seen Silent Running from uh, the seventies? Not, but that uh, also has a garden yeah. in the spaceship. Um, yeah. And I, as I said, I just I loved that it was this basically like. A temple in the middle of this very, very cold, um, immoral, like a place where morality has taken a walk. You've got this space of serenity in the middle of it. So I could have spent the entirety of this film in that garden, and I would love to have that nearby. And Claire said, no, 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 no. No. I was like, <laughs> I just want to take my book, turn off my phone, and sit in that garden. Nope. Come with me to the box, young yeah, man. yeah. We rate here on the matinee cast on a scale of one to four stars. Bob Turnbull, what do you give Claire Denise High Life? 3.17. Dear God, really? <laughs> we watch different movies. This is like I, a- I, I, I would go three just, just because <sighs> seeing it a second time just made me start thinking about a number of different things. And, and I don't necessarily want to see it a third time. Um, I might at some point later on, I, but I, I'm not going to be called back to this movie. Uh, just like with many of her others, I don't feel the urge to see them again. I'm really happy I saw it, though. This is a two for me, uh, and and it really only gets like it's close to a, like a one and a half or a one, but it rises back up just because of those moments of humanity. You you know you're wrong. No. Yeah. No. This no. I I am very very happy to be out of the box. I am much happier <laughs> going on with my life. Nothing but gardens for me now. Thank you very much. Just sit um, in your lovely garden. Let I, the I do. I am curious you. to see more of Denise's films, but I will not be coming back to this. I do not see that happening. Hey, maybe you think that Bob is right. Maybe you think that I'm right. Maybe you think we're both wrong. Maybe you think that this is a bloody masterpiece. Or maybe you think that it's an absolute catastrophe. Let me know. Ryan up in that. Don't say a wide range of opinions. I don't doubt it. Um, 
Twitter, where I'm Matinee underscore CA, or Facebook.com slash Dark Matinee. What do you think of Claire Denis? I like uh, We are going to come right back after this and talk about some other stuff, so come on back. We're going to flip the record over and play you inside. back he's bob turnbull i'm ryan mcneil it's matinee cast 222 we've been talking about claire denise high life uh either a catastrophe or a masterpiece depending on what you i think we both admit that it's somewhere in the middle we're just not quite both in the middle just, we're you know. i'm just being hyperbolic because that's what i do <laughs> that's sometimes. what you do um but we're gonna go further down the rabbit hole now and talk about some other movies where did you go with this you you mentioned already you saw it before so you've had a lot more time to sit with it than i have um, what kind of movie did you think of would make a nice pairing with Highlight? Uh, or, or perhaps even like a way to chase it? I, I, I thought I'd have a much easier time with this. Really? I thought there would be a ton of movies where I think about, you know, the again, the ragtag bunch of misfits and eventually they all start beating each other up or, you know, down to one person. But I couldn't think of one that really fit the tone. You know, hmm. Dirty Dozen came to mind. I was like, no, 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 that's not even close. Um, then I thought more about, well, what are the movies really focus on, you know, the basic human needs or, you know, the parenting relationships? I, I, I couldn't quite figure one out. What I ended up going to was uh, 1998's Cube because oh, it wow. too was somewhat of, a, of an experiment that people were put into and then forgotten by the outside world. There's this cube with people in it and they're not all really great people. Right. Um, very disparate in their origins. Uh, I, I can't remember that well to say if they're all horrible. I know there's at least a couple of really not good people there. Um, but that sort of was reminiscent of you're essentially the refuse of society thrown into this experiment. Nobody really cares about you and you probably won't ever survive it. And with an ending that is also somewhat similar and there's bright light, well, what really does that represent? They've got out, they've achieved nirvana, they've reached heaven, or they're just imploding. i not sure. So that's the best I could get to. I thought... Vincenzo Natale, 1997. Vincenzo Natale, if people, okay. if people do not know that name, uh, Canadian sci-fi director, he did Splice um, in 2009. He directed several episodes of Hannibal um, when, that was, uh, when that was on TV. Um, this is a movie I remember like you're taking me back because when I went to college this was one of those ones that we like oh, passed okay. around like, have you seen Cube you seen Cube you ever seen Cube um, I do like I like where your mind is at in terms of the claustrophobic low budge cerebral sci-fi you know like like really, yeah, yeah, I do yeah, yeah. like that I, genre that, that fits with high life in many ways I mean there, there's some beautiful images in that as well yeah. but it is kind of that art house sci-fi where it is more about human qualities than the mm. actual, you know, amazing science or, or whatever. There's and, no way you watch that movie recently. Cube? Yeah. No, it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it also does, you know, reflect some of those basic urges mm. of survival and sex and, and things of that nature. Uh, and there's bad behavior in that movie too, for sure. There's a lot of math. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Prime numbers come up a lot, right? Freaking engineer. Can't you talk about letters? You know, plots, poetry. You gotta bring it back to numbers. 
Well, actually, there is a nice little uh, thing that, you know, that your episode 222. Yes. That's a palindrome, and so is my name. My first name, anyway. This is true. This is very true. Frontwards or backwards, I'm still Bob. <laughs> That's why we love you. Um, well, speaking of cerebral sci-fi, although one on a much grander scale, um, I thought, and I mean, really, this is two for one. Um, my knee-jerk reaction was Solaris. I, I was going to say that that's a, a, I don't want to say a standard pick, but that's a good pick. That's kind of I, the... I, I want to say it's come up on this show before. I, I certainly want to say that the Soderbergh version has come up on this show before, probably as another side when we were doing uh, singular movies, each, each of us picking one movie. I believe there was an episode that paired up Solaris. I'll have to look, and um, if there is, people can look in the show notes and hear us talk about Solaris at length. But it's, uh, I mean, that's a movie that its remake is really interesting compared to the original because they are vastly different. Um, another movie where both of them are kind of cold mm-hmm. um, emotionally. Um, the the Soderbergh one does a little bit more hand-holding. It's got a little bit more warmth to it, but even that is still very cold. Yeah, the Tarkovsky one does not hold your hand at no, all. No, it doesn't. It, well, I mean, it holds your hand and it just drives you through a freeway tunnel for 10 minutes. It does. Um, a, a scene that I oddly actually kind of enjoy because that, that's in the tunnel yeah because he, he's he's going off to space i think he's like they're going to the spaceship at that point yeah so put yourself in his shoes you're you're driving and you think that i'm going off into space forever for a long trip and that's kind of your mindset of just this quiet kind of just you're driving and you're driving and i i thought that really fit well for that movie that's the kind of headspace that you would be in i mean the other funny thing about that about well both of them but especially the tarkovsky version is it's surprisingly colorful it's got this strange watercolor palette to it see now i'm bringing it back to art see what i did there you can engineer yourself over to two 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 over there that's fine (laughs) we're going to talk about color quality damn it um it's surprisingly um it's surprisingly elegant in its color choice. You know, like you think about this movie and it's not just Russian, but it's like during the Soviet Union. It's Eastern Bloc. It's 1970s. 70, it's no, 72. 72. It's not a time when movies are especially what I call really lush. I mean, some of them were doing some cool things. Um, I mean, uh, uh, Agnes Varda was doing some really bright things at the time. And, and uh, you know, this is when we get, we get some movies that are really colorful, but a lot of them are kind of grimy. And yet this movie comes along and it's got this really, really painterly quality to it. All these beautiful yellows and greens and, you know, and burnt oranges. And it's really, really pretty. And that, I think that was what I was missing a lot of in High life is it's really cold grays and blacks and blues and I'm like can I can a bitch get a red you know like like my kingdom for a burnt uh, ogre there, there is red in that movie yeah yeah but you know not always not, not where I want it no not always the kind you want um Solar you you've seen Solar both yeah, of the yeah. Solaris well you Solari. know Tarkovsky is is um, Solari Solaris uh, his visual. Um, acumen i can't think of the right word there if you look at andre rublev or something like mirror um stunning visual like this this guy could bring amazing things to the screen uh is it the end of mirror or sacrifice or maybe both of them um, have a church a a barn or a church burning at the end 
amazing visuals. So it's not that surprising that Solaris would have that. But it is interesting that a very cerebral Russian early 70s sci-fi movie would have that kind of palette. Yeah. And, and it does. And that also helps that movie not wash over you, but it's, it's easier to kind of breathe in. Uh, high Life, you know, you're going to cough a lot during that movie. It's, <laughs> Get stuck in your yeah. throat a little bit. Um, were there other movies that you thought of when you... When well, you... The, the trifecta, uh, obvious ones, were Silent Running, Solaris, and 2001. Those are the ones, I think, that come to mind almost immediately. But, you know, straightforward parallels. Sorry, um, Silent Running? Silent Running, yeah. 1974, low-budget kind of sci-fi movie. But um, that's the one that has the garden in it. Um, I think it was the first time I saw a garden in a spaceship, which kind of makes sense that if you're on a long trip, you kind of want to have plant life and Certainly you know, makes sense. You know, something giving off some oxygen. Uh, <clears throat> oh, it's Doug oh, it's Douglas Turnbull. Trumbull. Douglas Trumbull. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, how yes. is he as a director? Like he's a great. Okay, he is a wonderful. Um, VFX. Artist, oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah, like which he, is why he, for a reasonably low budget movie, the VFX is are, are great. Um, Michael Cimino. Oh, okay. Hold on a second here. You got Trumbull working with Michael Cimino. This this to me is like screaming danger. Will Robinson. These are some. These uh, I, are some dudes I enjoyed it, whose heads can you know, go. I enjoyed High Life. So. <laughs> oh boy. Tell people about Silent Running because I like I, I feel like it. May I, I actually can't tell you that much more. It was a long time ago that I saw it. Um, and Bruce Dern. There, there At you the go. End Bruce, of all Bruce Dern Bruce is Dern. in this movie. If I remember correctly, very Dern like. <laughs> they should put that on the poster. He brings the Dern. After the end of all botanical life on Earth, ecologist Freeman Lowell, that's Dern, maintains a greenhouse on a space station in order to preserve various plants for future generations. Assisted by three robots, oh no, and a small <laughs> human crew. Lowell rebels when he is ordered to destroy the greenhouse in favor of carrying cargo, a decision that pulls him at odds with everyone but his mechanical companions. Lowell and his robots are forced to do anything necessary to keep their invaluable greenery alive. Come I on, mean, you desperately no, want to see this the, now. The, like, you know what? I don't know, man. You, you, I, I really you should think, see it. You I gotta think it. I just saw that movie in my head. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, um, is it pretty at least? Uh, I, I remember it being. Things. I mean, again, it's, it's Trumbull, right? I mean, he's 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 going to have yeah, a say okay. in how this thing looks. Yeah, that's, that's true. Like, he, uh, I, I, gotta, I, I, I don't, don't even know if I could say it's movies. low budget. I may be conflating that with another early seventies kind of space movie, mm. but um, it, it looks good. It's not high tech kind of choo choo choo. There's none of that. Right. But uh, Which you I mean, feel that, that is, your space. That is my brand, really, truly. That is my brand of sci-fi. Like, I'm much more. Uh, prone nowadays to go towards something like Moon or Cube or you know something that has more than I was gonna say Solaris something that has more than one word in the title. Um, Children of Men is another mo like modern sci-fi Annihilation another one that's got one word. I think that I think <laughs> we have just actually I, I think we have we have unlocked the pattern here, Doctor. Um, if it has one word in the title and it is modern sci-fi. The other one I was thinking was uh, you could debate whether it's sci-fi or not is uh, the Fountain. That's definitely sci-fi. Which I think is two words. glorious. It's not fountain. It's the fountain. I'm just saying it's another one that I thought of. I'm sorry that I broke your pattern. It's the exception that proves the rule. Uh, that is Actually, another, that, that's the one. Uh, that one has come up a few, a few times in the past. The other movie I thought about in, in conjunction with this movie, um, we mentioned earlier on when we were talking about Pattinson and his um, career choices. Have you seen a movie that he did called Life? I mean, it's it's crazy because so speaking of a movie that 
stuck with me that I didn't actually like, but I found it interesting and engaging for as long as I was with it, Cosmopolis hmm. is one. You know, it's it's not what I'd call really good Cronenberg. It's not even really good modern day Cronenberg. He, it's interesting. So that's one that I got 20 minutes into. Oh, and you and, bailed. And I bailed. And I don't do that often. And I, I, I do want I do want to go back to it. I mean, it's... Because I find Cronenberg is also one of those kind of fascinating directors that I don't not, always love. It's not exactly madcap. You know, it, it was weird because Cronenberg for a while, there was on this very interesting arc in this century and then he kind of just slipped off that cliff real quick with movies like cosmopolis and like maps of the, maps stars. Of the stars and those guys, like i'm like where did you just go like you were doing really interesting things with spider and eastern promises and even a dangerous method which i like and I know a lot of people don't and cosmopolis was kind of teetering on that edge and i was waiting for him to kind of redeem himself but then he just he's gone back to wandering in the weeds and i'm like well, what did somebody just stop saying no is canada just throwing you money and you work with people like julianne moore and you work with people like Robert patterson so you don't have to compromise as much because you're getting budget life is actually directed by anton corbain so for starters oh. Yeah, you've got a movie about a photographer directed by a photographer, which means it will look handsome. Why is this totally off my I radar? I do not. It really came and went very quickly. It's four years old now. It came out um, 2015, December 2015. And it's about um, Dennis Stock, who was a photographer for Life magazine who took some of the most iconic images of James Dean. Dean DeHaan. Uh, Dean DeHaan? Dean DeHaan. Dean DeHaan plays... James Dean and Patterson plays the photographer and he's just kind of following him around uh, New York. He's what like, you know, he's just watching him sometimes be capital J capital D James Dean. Other times okay. he's kind of watching him be himself. Um, and, and they're having conversations and there's times where they come and go. And it's, it's really interesting to watch this guy who really could have been a teen idol and just kind of rode that success for a long, long time. He did some other dumb things in and amongst all of the Twilight movies. Like he did that, that Water for Elephants movie. He did that Remember Me movie. He Ooh. did, yeah, exactly. Yeah, some right, right. real shitty payday stuff. But what I like about Patterson, besides the fact that I do genuinely think he's talented, is this is an artist and in a lot of ways, Kristen Stewart has done the same thing and for mm. money, she's actually done it better. Oh, are, she's had an amazing arc What, what yeah. has happened is these are two artists who have said, I don't need to work again ever. These things are going to have my bank account full until I die. I'm going to do what is interesting. And both of them, Absolutely, Stuart, yeah. Stuart probably yeah. in a better way, I believe, but, but both of them, Patterson is making some really interesting choices and choosing some really um, obscure projects that are making him more interesting and bringing far more life than the role that brought him his 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 success. I'm so, very curious about this movie Life now. Just it did a quick scan of my phone. Yeah, as well I mean, and... Corbain is one of my favorite photographers ever. Oh, People boys. don't know who he is. He you know he shot like uh, images with um, Joy Division and Depeche Mode. And his, his music videos are his music videos stunning. are amazing. Like he's done um, a few with Bjork and others. Yeah, uh, like, Joshua Tree album cover is his. Uh, All That You Can't Leave Behind album cover by U2 is also his. Um, I thought for a minute or two that he was only going to, he had said that he was only ever going to do three films. Um, and then he wanted to go back to doing photography and directing music videos. And that would have left him with only, <laughs> only, Control, the, the Joy Division movie, yep, yep. Um, The American with George Clooney. Right, I forgot he did that. Holy and 
a most wanted man, which came and went and right. next to nobody saw it, but holy shit, is that movie good. Um, so Corbain directing people like Dane DeHaan, who I do like, despite the fact that he makes some weird movies, and Robert Pattinson, who I love because he makes weird movies. And I think that that could be a much better time on a Saturday afternoon than High Life. <laughs> well, if you're looking for a good time, sure. That's not why you necessarily go see High Life to have a relaxing time. I don't want a the relaxing theater, time. Right? I also don't want to hate myself at the end. <laughs> You know, I don't want to be well, thinking. That's that's your problem. You I can, clearly, you, can, you yeah. can still hate humanity or think it sucks sometimes. Still go like, yeah, but I'm okay. <laughs> oh man, um, did you have any others that uh, you wanted to, or should we call it? None are coming to mind at the moment. I mean, I think we've covered. A we've decent covered, swath. yeah, we've covered many of them. <clears throat> there, there are a lot that come up that we've talked about on the show before. Um, yeah, I mean, there's 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 shades of Interstellar, there's shades of Moon. Um, there's shades of things like Annihilation. I, I was trying to think outside the sci-fi realm. It's like, okay, if we're going to flip the other side, what's really another side of this? And not just a you know counter to some of the bleakness there, but what's how do you take some of those same themes from High Life but put them in a different context? And I, and I couldn't really come up with anything. I know those films are out there. I just can't quite think of them. Um, and I think that's, that's and, what I, I mean, was struggling with. Another one that I think of is uh, more recently is a film called The Bad Batch. By, oh, yeah, okay. By, yeah, by, yeah. Is it Anna Lily Emmerport? Yes. Yeah. Um, because it's a band of criminals. Actually, that is not a bad example. But that one, I mean, that is a vast movie. It is. That, that, that is the movie that, if this movie is claustrophobic, but, that but, movie is. But there are relevant thematic comparisons and tie ins, I but think. But that one's, I mean, that that. one's bananas. That one is absolutely nuts. Yeah. So, and, and, and that's one top. that I, I, I didn't love. I didn't hate it by any stretch, but I didn't love that movie. But uh, friend of the show, Kurt, I believe, has seen that, I don't know, 50 Ten times or so. Yeah, well, he's seen it numerous times and says he likes it more every time. I do like that movie. So it, I should it goes revisit. It weird places. It's, its downfall is that the, the artist who created it did something incredible with her first project out with a girl who walks home alone at night and this movie is not that movie and you know what to be fair that was probably why i didn't like it that much it's like oh but i kind of wanted that first movie again yeah. so again I, just you know, wanna, yeah. I, I was bugging you before about like hey leave your preconceptions at the door and, and i don't are. And, and i don't think i did that with uh -huh. the bad so i should revisit that well there we go that is episode 222 222 of the batney cast come on back i'd love to thank bob turnbull Palindrome Bob for oh, coming Oh, thank by. you right back. Um, come on back on Monday, May 20th for episode 223. Uh, I don't know what we'll be discussing yet, but uh, I'm open to suggestions. Um, Bob can be found on Twitter, where he is often wrong. Uh, if people do <laughs> want to follow you, where can they find you? At The Logical Mind. Very nice. My site is thematinee.ca. For more audio content, you can find back episodes by going to thematinee.ca slash podcasting. You can also find them on Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Blueberry, Apple's podcast app, uh, Pocket Cast, anywhere you find uh podcast if you don't find my podcast there tell me and i will put my podcast there for your convenience um everything gives you handy ways to subscribe and get alerts when new episodes drop feedback on high life can be left in the comment section of the site you can email ryan at the matinee.ca uh twitter where i'm matinee underscore ca or facebook.com slash dark matinee any final thoughts robert i'm i'm a blank right now i think i think the the phlegm has risen and <laughs> is clocking my brain at the I moment. See. So well, the that's my final thought. I leave right. you with phlegm. All right. And the Raptors are losing by six, so I want to go see them uh, take care of that. So uh, with that in mind, uh, for Bob, I'm Ryan. We'll see you at the matinee.